Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, Emma got in touch with us here in the programme. Emma, why did you contact the show? All right, so I got in touch with the show because there's a particular situation of sexual harassment online regarding a foreign individual who's a gym. And uh, the guards and the police here are unable to do anything because he's foreign. And I'm not the only victim. There's at least 80 other Irish girls who have been a victim and are still are a victim because they're still doing it to this day. And I guess my whole intention of contacting you guys was to bring awareness to the topic and perhaps raise the question of how social media platforms and the government can help Irish people when there's a situation like this, because there's definitely a gap in the policy and the safety. So what happened, Emma? So in March 2020, my account, my Instagram account was public, and this man con- uh, contacted me by commenting on my Egyptian travel photos and just said something very innocent, like, love seeing people enjoying my country. And I was very naive at the time, and I replied, thank you, you know, being the polite person. And this seemed to open the floodgates where he then proceeded to send me direct messages where he would screenshot all my photos, screen record all my videos, send them back to me along with um, depictions of sexual acts he'd done on the photos, and along with explicit messages of sexual assault and what he wanted to do to me, like, great. And, um, you know, at first I tried to stand up for myself and I wasn't going to let him do anything, but the messages got very dark, so I quickly blocked him and I put my account on private. However, he would just create a new account and message me again and the cycle would repeat itself and then he started harassing my friends who he must have, like, seen when my account was public. And he then started blackmailing them to try and get my attention. And when that didn't work, he then started to do things like uploading video montages of me, putting my photos on porn websites, creating fake accounts, pretending to be me, and then messaging underage girls sexual things. You know, so like on Twitter, he used all my pictures and then messaged these girls. And these girls, relatives, would then message me and be like, you know, there's someone pretending to be you, because obviously they were afraid it wasn't me, because he, he actually admitted that it wasn't me in the end. Um, but it just seemed constant and relentless. And then about 10 weeks later, so the end of March, I discovered on Twitter a load of other girls he had uh, sexually harassed for even longer so by that point, it had been going on for nearly a year and a half with these other girls. And he would blackmail them by threatening to upload photos of their children on the dark web, that they didn't buy a plane ticket to Ireland. And it just sort of like, no matter how hard we tried, and we all sort of like grouped together to try and work out a way. We went to the guards. The guards were like, look, he's far and he's not in Ireland. We can't do anything. We contacted the ambassador in Egypt who was uh, outraged. He tried to do something that the Egyptian authorities were like, well, there's no Irish girl in Cairo, so we can't do anything. So, then so you, that, sorry, Emma, you, where were you at this time? You I were, was in Dublin. You were in I Ireland. I was living in Dublin, yeah. So but, then, but, 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 the, but, the, but the the guy that you're talking about, he, he, wasn't, he was never in Ireland. He, he's always he was been. never in Ireland. So 
see Nautilus in Ireland future so my Egyptian travel photos and like because I would put hashtag Egypt or I would tag place or whatever. So that's how he found me, and um, he found other girls like that. So um, the fast forward to September 2020. So this is like what five months after I got this amazing job opportunity in Cairo in marketing and I couldn't turn it down and I was like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna move there it's fine and I was a little nervous my parents weren't exactly keen but I did it I moved and everything seemed fine at first and then February 2021 so nearly a year later he found out where I lived and worked and I think that's when it really hit me how dangerous of the situation I was in so um, I went to my embassy and they were so kind and so nice. And then we actually went as a team to the head general of the cybercrime unit in Cairo to make an official report. And while it was uncomfortable, they took the report and they promised they would do something. And then 10 days later, we heard he'd been arrested. So this is almost a year after this is in March 2021, and I was, you know, so excited. I messaged all the other girls because we're in a group chat, and I was like, he's been arrested. It's done. It's gone. Yay. And um, a month later, he started again. He's been let go. So he's really been carrying on ever since, and it's just, like, ongoing. And last week, I contacted this number that I was told contact and basically I was told that the Egyptian government and authorities wouldn't do anything further that they're not interested. Just to go back to your yeah. own your own story, um, yeah. what was your family's reaction to all of this? My family were obviously enraged. Um, everyone has enraged me. Before I realised there were other girls, I became extremely depressed. Um, I am someone that does struggle with depression and anxiety. So when I thought it was just me, and it was literally at the start of lockdown as well, when the world went, you know, because it was March 2020. So I couldn't go out. I couldn't see anyone. I felt very alone. And my mental health just plummeted to a very dark place. And my parents were very worried. Um, and like I tried everything and nothing seemed to stop this man and I, I just felt um, lost and hopeless and um, I felt ashamed which is what they do any sexual predator they target you to make you feel ashamed and you feel like it's your fault because you feel like oh you know and I even had like um, a couple of Irish girls say to me who I'm not really friends with anymore that say to me oh, well, if you didn't upload that bikini photo, it wouldn't have happened. And that really was shameful that even Irish people were saying that because it was like, so what if I'm in a bikini photo? You know, mm. doesn't matter. Yeah. I think I should be allowed to be as nude as I like anywhere, anytime and not have the reaction and the sexual harassment I received. And is this is this harassment, like, is it still happening, Emma? Yeah, as of, like, yesterday. It's just, there's definitely a, a lack of 
safety and there's definitely loopholes within policy, both law and social media, that allow these predators and harassers to get away with it. You can block them, they can delete their account, Instagram, Facebook can delete their account, but they can very easily just create new accounts and start all over. And this guy has created to this day 800 accounts. If there's somebody else listening Emma, in a similar position, like what would you say to them? I would say to them, don't be ashamed, first of all, because that is the tactic that people seem to use. You know, people say, you know, you tell people your story and, you know, I can see why people are nervous to say anything because, you know, someone here in Ireland might say to them, well, why don't you make your account private? Or why do you comment back on comments? Or why do you, you know, why are you nice to people? Or why do you post bikini photos? Or, you know, um, and I would say to them, first of all, don't be ashamed. Secondly, just stick stick strong and stand strong and um, block, ignore, don't engage because that's what they're looking for. They're looking to see you to engage with them. Well, Emma, them. listen, I, 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 we, we try and, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it seems absolutely, it's the, the, I can only imagine that the what you've gone through, um, it must be just unbelievable and just really, really taking its toll on you. But I, I don't know, we'll talk to maybe somebody in the um, we'll reach out to maybe to the Women's Aid for instance at the Gardaí and see if we can get any advice um, because I, I, I don't know what, what to say to you it's just it's it's terrible to hear what, what has happened. I do want to say the, uh, the the number for the Women's Aid free phone helpline is 1800 341 900 and as always lunchtime live at newstalk.com that's the email address if you want to get in touch with us today but Emma thank you for joining us today in the programme. Um, Nolene Blackwell who's the CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre is on the line as well Nolene you were listening to um, to Emma's story there what should people do if they find themselves in a situation like this yeah so so I I just think Emma to, to just say her story is not unusual Andrea and um, it is happening to others and I might give the uh, rape crisis helpline number at the end of this as well yeah, because a lot do. of people are just in that situation where they are actually suffering a sexual violation because of the harassment that's being done and she is so resourceful and she has done so much she's just great because I cannot come on here and give you an answer because in this area the cyberspace it's still Wild West country. And Emma identified all of the problems that arise. So, for instance, her first problem when she was here in Ireland was that the person who was carrying out the abuse was, wasn't even in the European Union, where there are some rules, not enough, but there are some. They were outside of that. So the Irish police weren't able to investigate it themselves. However, we have to have better joined up police systems with Europol and with Interpol in relation to this kind of crime, which is every bit now as harmful and as dangerous as physical crime or thievery or, you know, um, so, so it is a, it's a real harm. And she described the harm very well. Yeah. She described the fact that she, who is being harassed online, stalked online, is made to feel ashamed by other Irish people, let alone people in other places. And that's kind of, we really have to get to a stage where we recognise that she does her right to her own bodily integrity. 
and and not to have that abused, which is what happened to her. So it seems to me there there are three kind of different strands to this. Okay. And she so, mentioned policy and legislation. So in terms of sorry, just herself, she did all the things she she could do. She she blocked, and then he opened new accounts along the way. Um, and the trouble is, without focusing on any um, media platform, in general. The media platforms are still self-regulating. They are deciding what they will take down, how quickly they'll take something down. And as it stands right at the moment, we're, we're in their hands as to how quickly they will act. And the other trouble is that people can create these false accounts the whole time. We haven't come to terms with social media yet, but she did the right thing for herself. She blocked um, she needs to, anyone who's suffering this needs to kind of document and keep whatever um, information they have in case the guards do have links in through Europol yeah. or Interpol. But but the other thing is we actually we do need to recognise that while the internet is a fabulous resource and social media is brilliant in so many ways, abusive behaviour is being permitted in a way that simply cannot uh, continue the way it is right now. Because again, coming across on the helpline, we get people coming who do who do their best. We can even sometimes we're allowed to report in in a, in a kind of a special line into the platforms, but okay. it's up to the platforms then. And you know, it's interesting when you just listening to Emma's story, uh, Nolene, and I, I know you're you're well aware of Emma's and, and many other women's experience of this. And we'd figure is was it last year, Plan International that survey, two thirds of young yeah. women in Ireland have been harassed online. So th- so there's something can be done if this happens in Ireland, something can be done. If it happens yeah. across the EU, something can be done. But where you receive communication or contact uh, beyond or outside the EU, that's where we have a sort of a loophole at the moment. Is there any plan to change that? Well, I, I think where, where this is where the platforms who are international, they're the ones who are going to have to adapt a greater level of responsibility. And right now, our legislation is, uh, our uh, government is looking at putting in line new legislation for the regulation of all media, including um, the social, uh, social platforms, social media platforms. Um, and that has started and is going through. Social media platforms uh, are making the case very, very strongly that they'll regulate themselves, that they know what to do, that they'll do the right thing, that they'll understand the difference between freedom of speech and, uh, and abuse. Uh, we say that there have to be regulations in place. You're not allowed to uh, make your own decisions in news talk mm. about what you will say. You have to abide by society's regulations. There has to be more of that for the platforms and there has to be somebody who's able to scrutinise where they do harm uh, to be able to follow up on that. So there is more to be done with the platforms. Um, uh, it's, not, it's not up to the person who is using uh, social media platforms in the way they're supposed to be used. It is not up to them to find the abuser. There's going to, our, our, I would say, our Gardaí would welcome um, greater resourcing for cybernet yeah. crime okay. because it is damaging. And 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 look, she, she's doing the best she can, yeah. but there actually aren't good solutions out there right now for the Emmas of this world. Nolene Blackwell, CEO of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. Nolene, just before I let you go, actually, would you want to just maybe outline the number for the centre, if anyone, yeah, please do. So the rape crisis number, confidential, you don't have to even give your name if you don't want to, but 24 hours a day, 1-800-77-88.
88. Okay. Nolene Blackwell from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre, CEO. Nolene, thank you for your time here on Lunchtime Live today. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.